welcome to the segment of Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, and I want to thank you all for being here today. We have special guest Jeremiah Blackbeard. He is the founder of War Party Movement and War Party Ranch. Without further ado, let's dive in with Jeremiah. Welcome, Jeremiah. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, it's been a, a journey to this point, and I appreciate your patience. Um, I'm really excited to shine a light on your great work. Um, being that even where we are right now, going into a Super Bowl when we're recording this, uh, which is a big uh, weekend for human trafficking, which um, part of your mission is to shine awareness on this these atrocities that happen on our planet. Um, I would love for you to um, share from your perspective what led you into uh, wanting to help um, the indigenous and uh, how you feel others can help. Because I think they might feel a little overwhelmed sometimes when this topic comes up, like that they can't do anything about it. So I love your insight. Yes, ma'am. So, um, you know, for me, it started when I was a kid. Uh, my mother is native. So um, my mother's a Muscara Apache and um, my dad is a, a cowboy from Montana um, by way of California. So I grew up as a kid um, in Montana and my mother was always, you know, um, working with a lot of native women uh, growing up. And that was just whether it was um, helping them get out of abusive relationships, you know, finding a safe place for them to go, um, helping provide, you know, with food, shelter, what have you, all the way to, um, I remember as a kid, <clears throat> both of my parents testified in a really big uh, child abuse case with a foster family that was raising uh, native kids. So um, I've always been really connected to the native community and that way growing up as a kid. Um, and then, you know, through, high school and whatnot, you know, powwow season, you know, all summer long, you know, we're attending powwows and, and doing ceremony. Um, and then I joined the army when I was 17. So I had um, a really big gap of not being um, surrounded by the native community or not really being involved in the native community, other than, you know, other native friends I had that I met along the way uh, while I was in the military. <clears throat> um, so I spent uh, 22 years in the army um, most of that time, I was um, a special force operator. I served in 3rd Special Forces Group and in 10th Special Forces Group. Um, with that, I have, you know, multiple combat deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and, and in a lot of those places, you know, you kind of see humanity at its worst, but also humanity at its best. Um, I think that people don't quite understand that about war. And when I say humanity at its best, it's, it's people you know, fighting for each other and serving each other. Um, and the best thing about special forces is we 
live and train and fight right alongside with um, our partners, whether they're, um, you know, when we're in Iraq or Afghanistan. So I've lived and really inculcated with those people um, of those countries. So that being said, um, when I retired from the army, I had planned to do what a lot of guys in my background do, which was contract work, um, working for um, an OGA. I was upset to go to um, overseas to Africa and then, um, and then COVID hit. So once COVID hit, um, basically, you know, travel was shut down. There was no, there was no way for us to go overseas and, and actually combat, you know, human trafficking. Um, and we're, we're set to go to Uganda specifically where I was going to go. Wow. Um, <clears throat> there in Uganda is a big problem with child mutilation and child sacrifice. Um, a lot of witch doctors, things like that. Uh, and then that kind of feeds into the human trafficking trade. Um, so anyway, so, so wasn't able to go COVID shut everything down. And then during that time, I'm kind of locked down when, when things were weird. Um, I decided I wanted to start getting involved in the native community and, and assisting people using my skill set as a special forces operator. Um, so I began to work with families, helping them do search and rescue efforts for missing wow. women. Um, the first um, family I, I assisted was on the Navajo reservation. Um, and I'm located at, you know, kind of about 45 minutes outside of Denver. So um, Navajo res is, is a couple hours away. Um, and I quickly realized, you know, I needed a way to um, supplement uh, funding for this, you know, like it, it's expensive, whether it was just gas or trying to pay for food or um, a cadaver dog or whatever it was. So I started a company called War Party Movement. And what War Party Movement is, in a nutshell, is it's an apparel company that I was using the uh, um, the funds from the sales to help assist these families. Um, and what that grew to in about in the first you know year of doing that was everything from providing families uh, a few hundred dollars to be able to provide food for all, everyone who's going to come out and search. Um, or, you know, whether that's, uh, gas money to, um, another veteran with my background that could go assist. Um, that's something I've done is heavily lean on the veteran community, especially the special operations guys I know, um, to go take their sets to meet with these families and assist them search and rescue efforts. So from that all the way to, um, kind of being tied into drone programs to paying for cadaver dogs. Um, we've done a lot of good things with, um, I would say, you know, you know, my margins aren't great. I'm not making a ton of money doing this. Um, but we've been very successful with a few couple hundred dollars here and there, um, to assist these families. Yeah. Well, when I was doing that, um, the thing that I realized that was the hardest was once we rest, um, now I'm trying to call these other nonprofits and places to be able to take her to a secure location where she feels safe um, and can basically kind of start over. Um, so that being said, that was one of the hardest parts was I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm trying to call these nonprofits, trying to figure out who's got a bed, you know, what's good for this woman, what, you know, and um, the biggest problem is most of these places are only a 30 day program. So in that 30 days, um, and, and I don't want this to come on like a knock to, to these programs or these facilities um, because I'm definitely grateful for them and for what they do. But, you know, the reality is 
Um, let's say you do have, you run a safe house, uh, nonprofit, and you, you can provide beds for 10 women. Those 10 women can stay there for 30 days. Um, you're doing everything you can just to try to feed and cook for them and, and make sure that, you know, that, uh, men health wise and what they're going through, they have some support. Um, you're with, you know, 10 women in a house that through or, uh, problem set. It's very chaotic. Um, oftentimes, even they're not looking for jobs. They're not learning a skill set. They're not doing anything to improve their situation, right. um, where they came from. So they're not, they're not to break the cycle of abuse. So what happens at the end of the 30 days, these women go back to most of the time what's familiar to them. They go back to family or they go back. A lot of them go back to the abuser or, or to situations, um, just like the one they came from with a different abuser. So, um, that being said, I was just kind of looking at, you know, what I love, my passions in life, you know, um, horses and just nature, being a cowboy, being an outfitter. Um, and I partnered with, uh, one of my best friends, her name is Mike Waisaki, and she is in most badass cowboy you can think of. I mean, she's like the female version of the outlaw Josie Weber's. You know, she's mm. super gritty, super tough. Um, and now tremendous. So what we did is we partnered together and we started uh, a nonprofit called War Party Ranch. So what War Party Ranch is, it's a um, 501c3 nonprofit that takes female survivors of abuse and we teach them horsemanship, stockmanship, horse packing skills. Uh, with the goal of not only breaking the cycle in healing through horses and nature, but to be able to have them be able to stand on their own two feet and have a new beginning. So the vision for this program is a girl comes from Arizona that's in a, uh, was in a situation. She comes to Colorado for 10 weeks. She graduates our course. Now she's working on a ranch in Wyoming, um, completely autonomous on her own. Um, doesn't have to go back to, you know, the things that she came from, the familiarities that she knew. She has a new beginning, a new identity. Uh, and and quite frankly, I mean, you know, what we do is so hard. It's so rigorous that she's also gained so much grit and determination and, and you know, empowered herself just by nature and horses and the things that she's dealt with. So, um long way of saying it but that is um oh, what amazing. i've been working on and and <laughs> thank you what i've been doing since i've retired and um yeah so that's that's war party ranch and what war party movement is is and in war party ranch is there in colorado yeah. where you are yes ma'am yeah um, okay. we are in colorado um for the we started it last summer um obviously you know trying to raise money horses are super expensive to maintain yeah. and deal with and, and what we're trying to to accomplish excuse me um so what we've been doing kind of on a on a smaller scale is we work with a few women locally um to try to you know help empower them and and uh basically that's because we don't have a facility where we can you know we have the money on hand to be able to house women for, for an extended yeah. period of time right um the other thing is really be heavily involved in the community and just try to push that message of you know um really like I, I look at kind of the, the cowboy code you know what, what does that mean um what do people expect when they see me in public you know it's one thing i think is um 
They expect me to be a gentleman. They expect me to be tough. They expect me to be gritty. Um, and just, you know, have, have good character. So we really lean on the Western community to help us provide that with these women and, and instill these um, core values in them. So what we've been doing is really just trying to work with the community, um, kind of tell our story, showcase what we're doing, and then and raise money. Um, we also have a lot of ties because we work um, horse packing, which a lot of outfitters pack. Um, so there's kind of a hunting angle to that. And what we did was we took a, uh, a Navajo woman that I've been working with for about a year with the War Party movement side. Uh, we we basically put her through a uh, like a hunting program of our own where we um, helped her get a bow, um, hooked her up with a mentor where she's from in Arizona, started shooting her bow, and then we brought her out to Colorado for a backcountry elk hunt. Um, not completely, you know, aligned with exactly what that mission statement was as far as teaching stockmanship and horsemanship and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, but a basically a healing journey and, and uh, another, you know, another side of the fence of what we're doing with outfitting. Um, and we're also big on like, I, I wanted to show people where their money went and I wanted to do some good with the money that we raised um, yeah. and really try to improve someone's life with the money that we raised um, and not just use it for more marketing or more, you know, try to or more fundraising yeah. efforts. Absolutely. Beautiful. And if you can share um, a couple <clears throat> things, cowboy code, how can that help us right now? And then I'm going to go back into your <laughs> efforts, but it stuck out. I'm like, Oh, I think we need cowboy. Code. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> I think, you know, there's so many things. Um, I was raised that way, you know, um, everyone here here's an example you know um everyone is a miss or a mister or your aunt or your uncle mm -hmm. you know that's how we were raised everybody's yes ma'am yes sir mm -hmm. um you're just respectful you know nowadays um people don't look you in your eyes and shake your hand um people don't know their neighbors people don't help each other out you know if you're on the road and you see someone blow their tire out in front of you people don't stop anymore people people just people are just so singular and I think we we look at like this human connection in a different manner because we have social media now. So we look at all these connections that we have and we think we're actually involved in our community or involved with people. And the reality is we're not. You know, most people, like I said, don't even know who their neighbors are. Um, and uh, the sense of community is lacking. And I look at, you know, like the cowboy code and, and just cowboys in general, we're kind of the dying breed of, of Americans that still honor that. Um, and I also think something that's kind of misconstrued when, we, when I say the word cowboy, um, you know, women are cowboys uh, yeah. and so is every color and creed of people. Um, Absolutely. Uh -huh. You know, like <laughs> the first, the first cowboys, you know, were, were vaqueros, which were actually, Spaniards mm -hmm. and Indians, so basically what, what a Mexican would be today, but they were mostly yeah. indigenous, mostly um, yeah. Spaniard. Uh, and then, you know, the word boy itself, that was a vaquero. Um, and then that kind of changes the Californios. They couldn't really, white people couldn't pronounce vaquero, so they started saying buckaroo, vaquero, buckaroo. It kind of matches. Yeah. Um, so you have buckaroo cowboys. And then the word boy itself was because, um, you know, slavers, they called the, the, the slaves boys. So, you know, the rich white men weren't out, weren't out tending cattle. That was um, black guys in Texas and then yeah. and a lot of slaves. And as that kind of merged into, um, you have your, your, in the South, 
moving forward, moving up into the United States. And then you have, um, you know, a lot of immigrants, poor Irish, poor people, poor, poor white guys, you know, whatever their background was, um, getting on a horse and becoming herdsmen and, and tending cattle. So nowadays it's kind of this, um, it's looked at as like, most people don't really know real cowboys. They know people that have horses. Most yeah. of those people who just have horses have a lot of money. Um, and then in the West, you know, where most of your cowboys are at because of the land, those guys are, you know, small family owned businesses. Um, they don't make very much money. Um, but it's a, uh, we have a joke, you know, $5 a day is what you make, but, um, any day on a horse all day, like, I mean, you can't compare yeah. it. I mean, it's hard to describe the people who, who don't understand that. Um, so I, I look at that connection with nature, with, with the land, with the animals, um, you know, with your environment, uh, that's just a huge connection that I think that is missing a lot of times, um, in our country. And, uh, most people don't have that sense of community and that connection to, to their surroundings. Yeah. <laughs> my, so I apologize. My four-legged just came in and took my pen. That's oh, okay. I have two <laughs> crazy Catahoula leopards that are go wild outside. So yeah, I'm that's fine. Um, well, being I grew up in uh, cowboy country in Arizona, uh, I totally love the. I don't know. It has very fond memories. You know, riding the horses and being at the um gatherings you know uh it was mm -hmm. a beautiful like community um with that you've integrated horses you know from bringing awareness and support and um equine therapy is quite effective uh, what have you noticed just um with the people that you've been working with by giving them these two faculties like work connection with nature i guess three and then the communion with the horse because indigenous culture this is a very sacred animal uh gives yeah, you a lot of um, guidance yeah absolutely i think um one um, there's a couple aspects to it when you talk about horses and horsemanship um first i would say you know you, you have to build your own confidence as a rider to be confident that you can handle um, can you can handle that animal so the more that you learn um, the correct cues and your timing and your own balance um, your confidence starts to raise you start to feel better you know it's it's this growing growing uh, confidence that you have and and it's a very tangible um, something you can look back on you know if you get on a horse on Monday and you ride with me all week you can look back to how you felt on Monday and how you rode on Monday mm -hmm. compared to how you ride and how you feel on Friday um, even with the same animal. The other thing is that bond and that trust that you build in each other. Um, and a lot of times, yes, that takes, that takes a while to, um, to be able to accomplish, but, um, you definitely create a, a, a trust and a bond with each other because quite frankly, you know, you're in control, but you're not really in control. Yeah. I mean, this is a, you know, a thousand plus pound animal that can kind of do whatever it wants to, if it really wanted to. Um, so you have to build a lot of that trust and, and confidence in your own abilities as well as their abilities and what they're capable of doing. So I think that that in itself um, is very healing, very powerful. Um, and then it just, it's hard to explain. It's, it's very iconic, I think, because, you know, nowadays, modern society, we have so many movies and pictures and, and you get to see so many things and then you just, 
to me, in my opinion, that's how a lot of people feel. They feel very nostalgic. They feel very iconic mm. when they are riding and they're doing things, especially when you're in, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere in the mountains gathering, or you're on a big pasture or you're on a ranch, you know, just um, out working it. It's, it's very easy to just to feel that, um, that connection and feel rooted um, to nature in a, in a different way that is unlike if you're just out walking or hiking or something in the mountains, or you're just, you know, out for a leisurely stroll with a dog or something, um, very different feeling. So I think like that in itself is super powerful when it comes mm. to healing, uh, and building confidence, building trust. Um, and it doesn't have to be in people. It can be in an animal, it can be in something different, but I think oftentimes this trust is so broken with these women that have gone through these things that, um, just building trust with anything is, um, is a step forward in the right direction and understanding what it take what it takes to regain trust from something from that animal and vice versa so i think that's a huge step in moving forward um and then the other part of of nature um we all need nature you know i think that you know that saying um it takes a village to raise a child and when I look at that, I, I like to say, you know, we all need a village. It's not a child. We all need to be part of a village. We all need to be part of some a, a community. What's happened to us in general um, throughout the world, not just the United States, is that we became so big. Our communities are so big that they're no longer a village. They're no, we no longer have these ties that we used to. So I think that... Um, connecting with nature was automatic. It was almost automatic. It was because we live in these such small communities. Um, and now trying to reconnect with nature is very hard for people and people are so disconnected. And when we say connecting with nature, I don't mean like you go for a walk in your park in your city. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> most people, um, you know, I spent 22 years in the army. I was a Green Beret. I, I mean, I went through almost every advanced course you can think of when it comes to living out of a backpack in Mm -hmm. in austere environments and um those are skills that you know 150 years ago everyone possessed and everybody had it wasn't something that you had to teach on this abundant scale or or this just a lost art um so when i look at all those things you you have to remember that these people that are learning these skills whether you know men or women there's such a huge journey because you're building this confidence of you know going to a place where everything around you can kill you and to a place where you can thrive and enjoy yourself and have an amazing time. Um, And I think that that connection is so important. Um, And then the other part of it is it makes you so tough and so greedy because I don't have to yell at you or be upset with you or scold you or do all these things for you to feel like you're empowered and and you went through a rigorous time. I mean, it's going to snow, it's going to rain, it's going to be windy, you're going to be dealing with animals. I mean, this is not for the faint of heart. This isn't um, come out to Colorado and hang out with us and take pictures for Instagram. Like, it's tough. It sucks. Um, And I look at this program that we're building for these women as a platform to where, you know, five years from now, when life gets tough, and something happens, they'll kind of chuckle in in their mind and think back and say, it ain't raining. I'm going to sleep in a bed tonight, (laughs) you know? And I think that that's, what's common with um, soldiers, you know, people who've been to war and people been to combat and experienced that, you know, bullets flying, people dying, all the drama and the things that 
we see on TV or things that guys talk about with their experiences. Um, and, you know, ranchers and, and outfitters, you know, cowboys have that same, um, been through some very similar hardships, um, you know, where they, they understand how tough and how hard it is. So a lot of times um, we don't really freak out about the small things that, you know, all these first world problems that everybody else thinks is the end of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and being that you've had so many tours, um, how has this assisted for yourself personally, even with um, any PTSD, um, any of that from your time overseas? Um, I think for me, you know, it's obviously given me uh, my own kind of happy place, you know, to be, especially in the mountains. It's, my favorite thing in the world is to be in the mountains on a horse, um, working in some capacity, whether that's, you know, outfitting, leading a pack string, or, you know, trying to find cows and, and gather cattle in, in the mountains. Um, but uh, it's definitely gave me, a, um, I would say, um, brings you back to reality a lot of times. It's easy for all of us. As, as much as I said, I know what seriousness is. Sometimes I don't stress out over things that I should stress out about that are probably a big deal, you know? Um, and then I'm very nonchalant about it because my my bar is so high on what I think is an actual real dilemma or real problem set. Um, because no one's dying, no one's shooting at me. It's not that big yeah. of a deal. So, 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 so I think sometimes that helps me get more grounded in reality, you know, being a dad, being a, being a husband, um, and understanding that other people's problems should be important, you know, as well, um, to an extent. Um, and I think the other thing has done for me is, um, this not only working, uh, if I just take myself, you know, being able to work, um, do cowboy general cowboy work, giving me a sense of purpose, um, the same type of hard work and, um, commitment and leadership, um, self-sacrifice and things that I did in the military. It's very similar, you know, when you're working with animals and you're working with, with uh, horses and cattle, um, because, you know, you have to take care of them before you take care of yourself. And there's all right. so many similarities there that I think that, yeah, I was institutionalized, you know, I, I spent 22 years in the system. Um, so of course I'm going to be like a system guy. I'm going to want yeah. things done a certain way. And I think that, um, the Western lifestyle is a lot like that. Um, and mm -hmm. gives me, gives me that sense of purpose in that direct, in that way. Um, and then on top of that, adding war party movement and war party ranch now, um, that's given me, uh, a new chapter in my life in a new direction, a new sense of purpose. Um, especially in the veteran community, I see a lot of guys getting hung up on, you know, who they were, what they did. Um, and me being in the army, me being a green beret is a chapter of my life. Um, it's not the whole book. It's a chapter of my life. And now I'm on another chapter of my life. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, understanding that and really creating those kind of hard lines of like, now I'm not a Green Beret. I'm retired. Now I'm doing this. And this is what I'm doing. And this is how I'm helping people. Um, yeah. The motto of Special Forces is the oppressively bear, which is French for um, free the oppressed. So I think that um, this mm -hmm. just gives me another way to continue to work in the community to continue to, to, to do that mission and that skill sets, those skill sets that I learned as a Green Beret. Beautiful. And can you share a little bit, I've noticed this for myself, but uh, 
that service really helps minimize maybe sometimes the impact, even if there's a trauma trigger, if I go into service, that it's all of a sudden it vanishes like that. It's pretty wild. Absolutely. Do you Absolutely. notice that? Yeah, I, I, um, I don't know the exact quote, um, but I know Martin Luther King talked about it, about um, serving others um, and what it does for yourself, what it does for you, you know, you, the way you feel. Um, I think it's easy to get caught up in the mundane tasks of, you know, whatever life is, whatever your given circumstances are, um, you know, the kids, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, your job, your bosses, your friends, <laughs> yeah. um, all these things. I think it's easy to go by and let these days just fly by you, fly by you. And um, you actually don't do anything uh, for others. And when you do things for others and you serve in a selfless way, I think that um, it just fills your cup up. I mean, it it's, gives you so much joy um, to see, you know, not only how it affects other people, um, how you can help other people and the effects you have on their life. But I think that that is like another reminder that, you know, as many things and wildness that goes on in the back and forth politically and whatever is going on in our country, I think that, um, there's not enough of the feel good stories. There's so many amazing people doing amazing things out here okay. and no one ever talks about it. And we always look at the, the crap, the bullshit. We want to, we want to feed on everything negative and we never uplift each other and look at anything positive. Mm. Um, so it's easy to take one topic, whether it's race or whatever you want to pull and only find so much negative. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, why you're calling something, the most racist country in the world or whatever you're going to go off of on your tangent, you know, there's a, there's, there's a mixed family that's love, that love each other that are doing yeah. things that <laughs> other places in the world can't even fathom doing. Yeah. And I think that that's lost a lot in American culture. Um, so I think that serving others is a good way to kind of have that reminder, you know, that um, we're all the same. We're all human beings. We're all, um, we're all, and, and we all need each other. You know, like I said, it takes a village, not to raise children. It takes a village for all of us. And, and the more that you can grow that village and help people out in your village, the more in return, the more, the better your community is going to be and the better mm. the village you live in is going to be. Yeah. Aho. I couldn't agree more. Um, can you share a little bit on um, positivity wise, the power of what a community can do, especially in abuse or, uh, if someone is taken and but they have a sense of where that's coming from, uh, what the community can do, one, just to help out or uh, circumvent that, and then two, um, how to keep positivity in those moments where, where it might be feeling really dark. Yeah, so I think um, the biggest thing when it comes to community, when, you, when you're looking at, um, and specifically, you know, like somebody who is... Um, an abusive relationship, an abusive situation, or um, they're, you know, you know, you can take the missing and murdered, um, you know, look at it through that lens as well, is um, the community often has a lot of the clues and ties and understands what's going on. And they're, they're pieces to the puzzle to help you put that story together as you're conducting investigations. Um, there's also a way to, you know, a lot of times in communities, it just takes one person to have the guts to stand up, to say something, to fight back. And um, 
And then you kind of get that sense of community where everyone's like, okay, you know, if, if Jeremiah is willing to say something, so am I, like, I'll do it too. You know, it kind of, a lot of times just takes one person um, to say like, Hey, we don't want gang violence in our neighborhoods. Like, I don't care. I'll be out here. I'll walk my kids to school every day. Like those, once that mom that starts doing that, then next thing you know, there's 10 moms that do that. And and there's a sense of community through strength, through each other's, through each other. Um, so I think that that is very important. And that's a way that, you know, your community can assist you um, in a positive manner in, in dark times or, or with problem sets that you see that are going on um, in your community. Um, when it comes to, um, when it comes to, to that, I think that that is where the, the positive comes from. Um, all these people coming together to assist a family or to, or, or to, you know, try to impact, make some kind of impact on, on what's going on. The downside is the opposite of that as well. Whereas the community, um, you have a lot of bad actors and they will kind of, uh, insert themselves in the community and create a lot of gossip and create a lot of turmoil because they know, they see what's going on and they feel threatened. They feel threatened when people band together and they and they they walk and walk in a good way and they come in a good way and um, they're walking in the light you know they feel uh intimidated and threatened by that so they're going to do everything they can to try to to try to bring that down um something i see really big in the native community in particular with that is uh facebook um you know social media itself they they start attacking each other on social media and trying to oh, wow. you know play play a lot of um games a lot of victim blaming and things like that and to create and to see and to sow turmoil um so that way they that uh the community won't band together and won't try to help each other yeah. they'll kind of feed off the gossip and the turmoil and there's been these seeds that are sown um versus you know what we've talked about in the latter so yeah. it's kind of twofold it can go in any direction um i've had you know experiences with with both directions with the good where the community really coming together to assist or opposite of that where the community really kind of folding and just sowing really bad seeds and you can see the bad actors you know really um influencing the community in a, in a negative direction mm, yeah and in the effort of like transforming all if that's possible that's my plight like you know not just helping um those that have been victimized how do you feel about that, the way to reach those that are perpetrating um i think that uh the first thing that the first thing that when you look at um abusers is they don't know what right looks like oftentimes um so if you were to remove filters you know alcohol drugs other things that could be at play to really um to create a lot of stressors in life that are just stressors that you could remove to improve things right. um you know obviously those are one those are big especially in in uh in lower income communities you know you have drugs and alcohol you know just addiction in general is something big um and then when you talk about uh the other side of it you know um how how do you how, what's the step forward for that so what i try to do i do have a joke you know on my on my social media and just what i say i say i'm your mom's favorite cowboy and it is kind of a joke like on a your your mama joke but at the same time it means i do want to be your mom's favorite 
I want to, I try to every encounter I have with a woman, uh, especially with women, but just in everyone in general, but more in particular women, um, whether it's in passing at the grocery store or you're a friend of mine or um, whatever the case is, I want to be the example of what right looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my daughters, the way they see that I treat my wife, the way I treat my daughters, the way I treat my female friends, the way my, my sons talk to to women, the way, um, you know, so everyone, you're going to learn from all those experiences. And I think the biggest problem really is, and, and, and from talking to my friends and the women I've worked with, like, I'm being myself and I'm being who my mom, my, my mother and father raised. I'm not doing anything extra in my, in my opinion, I'm not extra nice to you. I'm actually still kind of mean and, and tell it like it is. I don't change, mm-hmm. but, uh, I always get, you know, wow, thank you. I've never been treated this way or these things from, from women. And I think it's just because they never had an example of, of what they deserve, how they deserve to be treated mm-hmm. and what right looks like. So I think that when we talk about improving abusers, uh, and how do we move forward with them and, and how do they fix themselves? We have to give them example of one, how they deserve to be treated as well as how they should be treating others. And if you don't teach them in the example, they're not just going to fix it automatically, regardless if it's an addiction issue or there's some kind of outlier outliers there. It's not just going to fix itself. They have to understand what right looks like and how to improve themselves and, and how they should be treating others. Um, so that way they, when they do get to the point of anger or um, expressing feelings that, they, that they're able to um, express them in a different way because they understand you know, how to be treated and how to treat others. Right, beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting because Hopi Nation, where I've spent uh, some time out there, they have a very masculine to feminine relationship uh, very honoring and respecting even the language, mm-hmm. which a lot of um, Native American tribes are that way. Uh, and I always feel like it's been lost for sure. And one thing that always stuck to me that they said is they never knew, like it really like when the, he said this to me, but he said, I never knew women would be treated the way they were when they were crusaded. Um, they'd never seen anyone like physically harm a woman. So it makes makes me think like, where did this start? Like, you know, where the imbalance started and not blaming anyone, just wondering like, what was that thing? You know, but yeah. I like that, teaching them right. Um, so with your, your mission of raising awareness and um, with War Party Movement and then the ranch, what are your next steps like that you're hoping to call in for yourself and yeah. your vision? So um, right now I'm actually um, working on the websites, trying to kind of merge the two together. So that way it's very apparent that there's like a parent company, our story of what I was talking about before uh, working with these women and really trying to find a long-term solution for Mm -hmm. breaking the cycle of abuse. So we have on our plate kind of, uh, I would say our 2023 goals are we, my goal is to run two women through um the 10 week program here in Colorado um that's the low ball goal i really want to run four we want to run four every year every summer for 10 weeks um we think that that's a really good ratio um a lot of hands on a lot of one on one training um you know the the student to instructor ratio isn't so big that we're missing a lot of pieces and we really want to um be 
cautious and sensitive to where these women came from and their experiences that they dealt with in the past. So we really want to start this off really slow and uh, be and make sure that we are doing all the things, a lot, a lot of the things that we talked about. You know, every man that they encounter is what right looks like. Um, because quite frankly, we're going to send them off to the real world where they're going to work for some guy who might say two words all day long. And that doesn't mean he's mad at them. Doesn't mean that they're doing a bad job. That's just how that old cowboy communicates. Or they might work for somebody who cusses and yells and, and, uh, they might work for somebody who used to be a criminal, you know, they're the the cowboy world is full of a lot of characters. So it's the real world, you know, and and we want to get them prepared for that. So I think that, um, anyway you know keeping the ratio low um so that's our goal for for 2023 is to run two women through the program and then continue to um raise awareness and continue to talk about you know uh, breaking the cycle of abuse um kind of our track on how we're getting there is uh, we do have a few fundraiser events that are coming up um we've been so blessed with people just wanting to help us wanting to be involved in any way they can um on the 11th of february um this saturday we have a bucking bull event that we're gonna we're part of so we myself and uh micah and a couple of the other girls that are instructors will be there setting up and running bulls and running the shoots Mm. and uh, helping out at this event and then um I, right now, I'm training for, um, it's called the Grand Traverse. It's the biggest backcountry ski race in North America. Um, this will be my fifth year racing in this race. It's mm. 40 miles from Crested Butte to Aspen. Um, and I'm using that as a fundraising platform for War Party Ranch. And my goal is to raise $10,000. Um, yeah. And that would be able to provide one woman um, full tuition through through our course. Um so yeah, that's kind of what we've got on our plate as far as uh, 2023. Um, we've got a couple other really cool foundations and and folks that we work with um, that we're hoping to kind of grow. Um, and really, what it is, it's just opportunities for our the girls that go through our program to showcase their skills and learn more skills mm-hmm. through working with some of the other veteran nonprofits and uh, partners that we've that we've. Um, like I said, these just amazing people reaching out and, yeah. and wanting to give us opportunities. So beautiful. I, I feel like there's going to be a ranch in your future. Yes, ma'am. We, we hope so. Um, right yeah. now, we're right now we do have a plan, um, um, to be able to lease a facility, um, you know, through, uh, through our partners that we, through ranchers and the community we have here in Colorado, we're basically going to be given some space. Um, to operate out of during the summer so that you know that's the short term long term yes absolutely um you know if elon musk is listening and wants to write me a check mm-hmm. yeah i have a i have a budget he can look at with yeah. the ranch on there <laughs> yeah i see but, it um, i can totally see it <laughs> yeah but i um, mean you know that's that's uh that's a, a dream and you know we'll get there we'll get there one day um yeah. we'll, we'll make it happen um i think the biggest thing for us now is it's really hard to tell these women's stories. And, and, and the thing I've struggled with with the war party movement is, is telling the stories of the families and the women that we've helped. If they're not my stories to tell, there's a lot of yeah. privacy and security and, and uh, things that they've gone through. So it's really even hard to, to show some of the things that we've done on, on the war party movement side. Um, un- and unfortunately in today's day and age, if you don't tell the story, you don't have good media and good content, it's hard for people to mm. jump on board and, and to see what you're doing. So that's another kind of a goal that we have for 2023 is mm. to really 
try to tell the story of these women um, in a way that honors them and is respectful to them. And if, and if one of the girls wants to, you know, get in front of the camera and say everything, then fine. She doesn't have to, you know, for all I care, we can have video of her boots flying by. She's on a horse. What, you know, they don't have to have that, but what we do need to do is, is um, get the community involved um, outside of our local Colorado community that knows what we're doing Mm. and uh, try to tell that story. And, with this being um, kind of our inaugural year, bringing women in for the first year, you know, for that full program, um, it's going to set us up for success for years to come. So the, so these, um, the first gals that we're able to pick when we do go through the selection process will um, have a lot on their shoulders, you know, more than just their own healing journey. They are going to be the stepping stone for, for, for many women to come um, to be able to heal and, uh, and, and break their own, you know, cycle of abuse. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I'll share the interview with you and I'll link cross link you guys when we put it up. Um, her interview comes out this week, but she teaches women, um, self-defense skills. And she says something really strong that she's a former uh, police officer. And, but she said it really helps when people tell their story, it helps the person that's afraid to get out of the situation. Um, because with abuse, especially you feel a lot of shame. Um, like Absolutely. how did you get yourself into this situation? Why are you in this situation? So, hmm, yeah. it, can, might... it can happen to anyone and everyone, the yeah. best, the brightest, the toughest it can happen yeah. to anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll have to, I have some creative ideas blowing in my head. Uh, but yeah, awesome. it's a, a service, you know, and then to see, we all like the hero stories. So we love seeing, you know, their transformation because that's, I think what humanity does. We champion for each other in that way. So, well, I'm so impressed. Um, on your, we'll share all the links, but share, you share out loud. It's good to orate where people can find you. Yes. So, um, warpartyranch.org is our website. Um, you can find us on social media. So we have the war party movement, um, Instagram page. We have, um, the War Party Ranch Instagram page. Um, if anybody knows how to work Facebook real good, hit me up because I don't know how to use it. Um, <laughs> well, now it's like a mega thing. We're in a technical. <laughs> I know we're in a we're in some technical technical difficulties with our Facebook pages right now. Yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, so that's where we are. Um, okay. Those are our social medias and our and our website. Beautiful. Well, Jeremiah, I really appreciate you being here. It's a deep honored to have you here and i'm thankful that you're doing your great work no thank you ma'am i'm honored to to do it and uh thank you appreciate your time yeah Yeah. thank you sir when you say ma'am it reminds me of my dad so thank you (laughs) yes ma'am once again i want to thank jeremiah wilbur aka jeremiah blackbeard for joining us today and i want to thank all of you for listening in Please, if inspired, get involved. The links are below. You can uh, donate, volunteer your time, and uh, sharing is caring. Until next time, we're going to sign out with little Kadri Scott Shine. This is Suzanne signing out with a full heart, a soft gaze, a deep bow, and a namaste. Be simply. Simply.